in the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. 911 emergency. Police. Search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents. Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. If you like weird shit, hello and welcome to the newest Betches podcast, not another true crime podcast, with me, your host, Sarah Levine, and my co-host, Hannah Perkins, Yay! who's Hi. physically here in person today. Yes. It's a big deal. In freezing New York. <laughs> yes. If you've made it this far, you know that we're talking about all the sketchy shit your heart desires, stuff like scams, cults, conspiracy theories, and of course, crime. Yep. Pretty much. That's that's what this is. Yeah. yeah. If you made it this far, we want to thank you all for listening um, for a whole season. This is, unfortunately, the last crime we'll cover of season one. Bom, bom. Pause for all your collective sadness. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we want to end it with a serious bang. Hannah, do you want to tell the listeners what they've won? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> um, hell yeah. So when we first started this podcast... Uh, we weren't really sure what case we were going to do yeah. at the end. We were kind of just winging it. And um, as it went on, we you know, we realized that the last episode has to be fire. Yeah. I mean, all the episodes have yeah. been good thus far, if I may say so myself. <laughs> Not biased at all. But nope. <laughs> so once part one was released, uh, we were basically flooded with about a zillion DMs. So many. You guys just slid right in. Um, and we were told to cover a specific case. but And we know a lot of people are obsessed with it. And we were like kind of weary about it. But we decided um, that we were going to give the people what they want, right? Yes. Yeah. That's what we're about. Fuck it. <laughs> Let's do it live. Um, so anyways, we're going to be talking about the famous murder mystery of John Benet Ramsey. Yep, that's right. You asked for it, and you are going to get it. Yep. Thanks. Special thanks to literally the 91% of you guys on our Instagram poll who voted for 91. us to cover this. Wow. Even though everyone I've talked to thinks they know who did it. Yeah. Well, they just want to hear our take on it, right? Yeah. The hot takes. It's true. That's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you guys. Um, special thanks from the bottom of my heart. This was mm-hmm. a doozy to research and yep. was the reason for many sleepless nights yeah. and a lot of information that I wish I could unknow. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Sarah <laughs> and I love discussed. You. <laughs> yeah, we love you, but like Sarah and I discussed, this has ruined our life. So... Um, yeah, we're going to talk about child murder for you guys. Uh, we researched the shit out of this. Mm-hmm. Lots of research, like Sarah just said. We're going to try and break it down in the best way possible. It's a really, really complicated case with a lot of what-the-fuck moments, to be completely honest. So we decided to break this case down in two separate episodes. Yeah, we're going to be doing two parts. Um, this first one is pretty much just going to be all about the actual murder itself. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, we're going to go into the investigation and what the fuck went wrong there. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about the theories in part two. Um, 
as Hannah said, we did a lot of research. There's so much information on this. It's like information overload. Yeah, it really is. Um, I personally got most of my information from a Vanity Fair article that was written in 1997 that cool. was very long and thorough and well done. Good job, yeah. Vanity Fair. I also bought the book and read it. Um, it's called Foreign <laughs> Faction by A. James Kohler, who was a former lead investigator on the case. And then I watched that one CBS documentary that was okay. like super biased, but I spent $10 on it, so I watched it. Yeah, you have to do it at yeah. that point because <laughs> you spent $10 on it. So I I didn't watch the CBS one because you were watching that one. So yeah, yeah it, was, it was like it was ridiculous. <laughs> I I watched um, something on Amazon that I spent three ninety nine on. So I was like, "Fuck, I have to at least get through two episodes." Uh, yeah, what I watched was called the case of John Benet Ramsey. Okay, I watched American Murder Mystery, the Ooh, John Benet Ramsey. Interesting. Case. Yeah, yes. was that the A and E one? I think so. It's like yeah. a three parter. Yeah, very those small. two came out around the same time, yes. and they both presented like vastly different theories. Yep. And they're both very biased in their own <laughs> special way. So yeah. that one um, I watched. I also, I want to shout out Last Podcast on the Left because Marcus Parks did really good research on that and I listened to that. And I also um, checked out this website that's oddly alarming but very specific Uh-oh. called the JonBenet Ramsey Case Encyclopedia. Oh, God. Which has the, I know, which has the most detailed timeline ever recorded. I'm not even fucking kidding you. Wow. If John Benet or John Ramsey or any member of that family took a shit, it's on there. Wow. So, I mean, it, I think it is. Which but. is actually funny because we'll get into this in part two, but um, Foreign Faction does get into um, the fecal matter of oh. one member of the oh. Ramsey family. Oh, that's true. It so it does. definitely does go into who shits. So there's, there <laughs> is actual shit on there. So uh, shout out to the people who run that website. Yeah. And like our other episodes, we will be sharing links to some of these sources on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash NATC podcast. So you can read for yourself if you would like. Yes. Go do it. So um, I think the best place to start part one, and let me know if you agree, Sarah, is Christmas morning in 1996. Yeah, let's have two Jewish girls relive Christmas morning. Let's do it. <laughs> we are automatically at a disadvantage here. So Okay, well, speak for yourself because one time at Tomorrow World, mom and dad, <laughs> stop listening now. <laughs> but anyway, this one time at Tomorrow World, I took Somali and I was like, what's it going to feel like? And the person was like, it's going to feel like you're a kid on Christmas. And I said, but I'm Jewish. <laughs> Did it and feel then, like it? Yeah. And yeah. Then it kicked in and I was like, I get it. It's Christmas. Oh, wow. <laughs> but uh, this Christmas will be much more devoid of joy than my Christmas yeah. religious experience. Yeah. That sounds really spiritual. <laughs> I'm really happy for you. You really found God. I, know, I made it without converting. You really I did it. <laughs> so now your parents can tune back in. Yes. Because, well, I mean, they can go off if they want. We're going to talk about a kid getting murdered. So <laughs> it's up to them. <laughs> it's yeah. up to them. All righty. So let's back it up to Christmas morning, 1996, at the Ramsey house. It was pretty typical. Um, the Ramsey consists, the Ramsey family consists of several people, but only four of whom are residents at the home. That's because John Ramsey has a few older children from a previous marriage that's yeah. John Andrew Ramsey and Melinda Ramsey long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were living in Georgia at the time. But so in the Ramsey house in Boulder, we have Jean Benet Ramsey, obviously, yeah. Burke Ramsey, who was her nine year old brother at the time, and Patsy Ramsey, who's John's wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they get up, they open presents, they do the whole baby Jesus thing. I'm assuming. <laughs> Let us know. Again, had a disadvantage here. Yeah. Yeah. So 
They they do all that. Then what else? Yeah, so the Ramsey family, as we mentioned, lived in Boulder in this, mm-hmm. like, gigantic four-story, 7,000-square-foot mansion. Oh, my God. Which is actually pretty important because when we go through, like, yeah. all the rooms of the case, it's really hard to get a mental picture. I kind of want to look up a diagram like of this a blueprint. house. Yeah. I need a blueprint because Ooh, in the book I read there good, were a lot call. of crime scene photos but there was no blueprint of the house and there's a back staircase, a front yeah. staircase, there's all this shit. It's a huge house. Yeah, so they're um, in the scientific term, loaded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> they're a really prominent family in the community. This was probably like your average rich person Christmas, like I'm assuming yeah. lots of presents, Christmas tree. Yeah. Um, Patsy, I know, really loved Christmas, so I'm assuming she went all out. Yeah, she literally had a Christmas tree in every single room, according to that documentary I watched. Oh, my God. Every single fucking room. I can't even think a of the real fire tree? hazard. Yeah. That's, yeah, I don't know if it was a real tree or, like, yeah. a fake little mini one. Because I feel one. like the bugs would be... Actually, um, I don't really know. I've never had a Christmas tree. I mean... I don't bugs aren't usually a big problem but like watering that would be a pain in the ass um, you don't water the Christmas tree though right it's yeah you could, you could put some water in it you do yeah like some Whoa. of them have like a watering hole thing mind blown wow but it's dead we really are at a disadvantage <laughs> well um, yeah there you go so we're doing the best we can we are trying here and that is all that counts um, it's definitely not a Charlie Brown Christmas uh, they're so rich they have this home in Colorado this giant home and they have a vacation home in John's home state of Michigan and they were going to take a private jet to the house in Michigan on the morning of the 26th so the day after Christmas also pause because you can be rich but there's a big difference between just being rich and then having private jet money. Yeah, them being fucking filthy yeah, rich. I yeah. think one flight on a private jet is at least four grand. I remember Chrissy Teigen tweeted something about it. And what? she was like, yeah, I'm, I have money, but I don't have private jet money. Wow. Yeah, she probably has private jet money now, though. Maybe. I would hope so. She probably wants to spend it on more legit stuff. Yeah. But wow. I think I agree with you. There's a difference between being rich and like loaded. Yeah. You know these what I mean? People are super fucking rich. Yeah. So they're they're up there. They're so, not like, you know, they're if not. They weren't so sketch. I'd be like, hey, adopt me. Seriously, <laughs> it must be nice. Um, but we're talking about this because it is super important to note that their wealth and like their prominence in the community did play a pretty important part in this whole thing. So, yeah, John Ramsey was a really successful businessman and he founded a company called Advanced Product Group. Which Original. Is like the mo- I know the most generic <laughs> name. What does that even mean? Advanced Product Group. I know. Um, it eventually became part of a bigger company called Access Graphics. It was just basically like computer shit. Yeah, he's a tech guy for sure. But yeah. like in 19, what? This was like 96. 19- yeah, so he's he's up there. Yeah. He's making money. In 1996, Access Graphics grossed over a billion dollars with a B. Whoop. And he was named Entrepreneur of the Year. By he, I mean John Ramsey. Yes. He was named this by the Boulder Chamber of Commerce. Damn. So he's like pretty well known for like, being yeah. rich. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's important to know. Mm-hmm. So, and Patsy, his wife, she also had some money, too. Um, she was born in Gilbert, West Virginia, to an upper-middle-class family. She attended West Virginia University with a B.A. in journalism in 1978. Um, more important to the media and, like, what everyone else really knows about Patsy. Like, no one really gives that much of a fuck about her degree. Yeah, <laughs> which is sad, because yeah. she was smart. She was smart. She was smart. And But what everyone remembers is that she was a beauty queen. 
she won Miss West Virginia. Typical society. I know, <laughs> right? caring about the fact that she was pretty. Yeah. Um, well, that's like the whole point of this case. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> like, right. This is like the whole thing. So she won Miss West Virginia beauty title in 1977. Her sister Pamela Ellen Pa won Miss South Charleston title at the age of 24 in 1980. So they had some good genetics yeah. in that family. The good looking fam. Yeah. I mean, John Bonet was like gorgeous. She was a cute little baby. Yeah. And she followed in her mom's footsteps and did a lot of pageants, too. Yeah, they're very much into it. So after the Christmas bustle, the whole family heads over to this family friends. They're friends of the Ramses, and they're the white family <laughs> for, like, a dinner party. You know, they do, I guess, eat dinner, do the whole baby Jesus stuff again. Yeah. Um, we don't know. <laughs> then... You know, maybe sacrifice some goats. Who knows what they right, right. <laughs> We're at a disadvantage. We don't know. And then they all head home around 9.15 p.m. Um, I've read that John Bonet fell asleep in the car. Yeah. I think the kids were really tired. Yeah. So, like, they go home. Nothing is supposedly weird. Like, no doors or windows open. Yeah. Everything seems good. Everyone, like, yeah. Yeah. From everything I've read, that Burke was still awake when they got home, and he went to bed around, um, like, 9.30, 10. Mm-hmm. And John Bonet fell asleep in the car, and she was carried inside by John, who then basically put her to bed. Um, she was last seen by Patsy at 10 p.m. I'm assuming Patsy like went in and checked on her kind of thing. Yeah, probably before going to bed. Yeah, and then John may have played um, a game with Burke for a couple minutes. He said he'd just gotten a toy, and he wanted to put it together. So uh, John did that, and then he went to bed around 10.45. So overall, like they kind of they called it a night. They had an early flight the next morning. Yeah, and yeah. that's Christmas at the Ramsey's. That's what we're missing out on. Yep. Well, I'm not that mad about missing out on that because between the hours of like 10 p.m. on the 25th and 5.30 p.m. or p.m. (laughs) a.m. on the 26th, shit gets very non-Christmas-like. It goes very, very wrong. (laughs) Yeah, so wrong. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. So within the middle of the night, two things happen that people can confirm. Mm-hmm. Number one is around midnight, the Ramsey's neighbor, Scott Gibbons, looks out his kitchen window and he sees that the upper kitchen lights in the Ramsey house are on and dimmed low, which I mean, 
Yeah, it doesn't seem that, that uncommon, uncommon to yeah. me. Like it's the holidays. Yeah. I feel like people stay up late. I mean, this, they do. this dude himself is up late. Yeah. Or like maybe they were just doing some home alone type shit to deter robbers, like just leaving a light on. My family does that. Also, like midnight is not that late. Like, yeah, you know, it's not that's, that like, that's not that bad. So anyways, so Scott sees that. So he thinks nothing of it. Um, but then what investigators think around 2 a.m., a neighbor, Melanie Stanton, hears a scream. So I don't know if that's a person. Yeah, she, well, I think she later says that she believed it was a child scream, which interesting seems a little less in the ordinary. Yeah, at two a.m., hearing a little kid scream. Yeah, that's weird. That's not winter break normal. Time is not the same, but children screaming is the same. Yeah, but for either reason or some reason, um, she doesn't think anything of it or does, and just decides like, "Fuck it, I'm going back to sleep." I kind of think. Obviously, because I live in New York, you hear a lot of weird shit, especially screams. Yeah. And I've obviously never called the police on someone. Um, And I think it's partially because if you just hear one isolated scream, you're like, hmm, that was weird. I don't know. Maybe I heard it. Maybe it was like an animal. A movie that someone's watching. Yeah, you don't know. If you hear one isolated scream, I wouldn't be inclined to call the police. If I was hearing a person screaming bloody murder, then... Okay, yeah, yeah, I might be spurred might to take action. Place. Yeah, I, I feel you. I agree with that. So either way, she was just like, eh, it's not worth calling the cops, which yeah. we all agree is like, we get it. Yeah. So then on December 26th, Patsy wakes up early in the morning around 530 because they're getting ready for their flight out to Michigan. Private jet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she walks downstairs and as she's walking downstairs, the back staircase. Okay. It's now about 545 a.m. She notices a three page handwritten note on the stairway and she's like, what? And starts to read it. Yeah. She sees the note. She reads the first few lines, which was basically like. Hey, by the way, we have John Bonet, and she's like, "What in the fuck?" Yeah, she like flips out yeah. and calls nine one one because it's a ransom note. Yeah, it is a ransom note, a very very long ransom note. So here's what it says. Oh my god! Yeah, here we go. It takes matter all the shit is long. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country it serves. Oh, I get it. Dun, foreign dun, faction, dun. like the book you read. Yeah. Ah, it's all coming clear. Um, at this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed. And if you want to see her, you've, oh, if you want her to see 1997, which it's December 1996 at this time. So you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 will be in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size cachet to the bank. When you get Oddly home, specific. Oddly specific. And also, like, so micromanaging. Like, make yeah. sure you need an adequate size to the bank. Yeah, don't tell me what to do, kidnappers. Seriously. Um, when you get home, you'll put also, them on. I don't know what an attache is. Is it like a briefcase? I think so. So adequately sized. So now we know some bougie ass people wrote this note because For he sure. calls it an attache. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> when you get home, you'll put the money in a brown paper bag. This is more my level. Brown paper bag yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting. So I advise that you be rested. If we monitor you, Sarah's like, like thanks for that. Yeah. You're like rolling your eyes. I love it. Um, if we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I could do an entire episode just on this note. Oh, so could I. I mean, this note in itself could be an entire episode. Yeah. It's so fucking long. It's so weird. Um, 
Let's see. Okay, you get an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for a proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. That's kind of a given, given the fact that you're kidnapping and threatened to murder their kid. Oh no, what do you think? We're friends and we go out to the bar? I mean... (laughs) All of this is so fucking ridiculous. Oh, the getting well-rested? I'm like, what is this filler line? What is this bullshit? Like, Who's going to be well-rested when their daughter is kidnapped in the custody of maniacs also you took hmm. her in the middle of the night and then you're gonna call him between 8 a.m and 10 a.m in the morning like there's no time for him to sleep really between that he woke up at 5 30 like yeah is he like gonna get the ransom note and be like well they said to rest up so i'm gonna take a nap yeah let me go take a nap while my daughter is about to get murdered so weird so strange okay so let's continue with yes. this note. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. This note is the worst. Um, speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police or FBI, will result in your daughter being beheaded. Yikes. Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned, we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try and grow a brain, John. You're not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing your daughter will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory. Signed, S-B-T-C. I mean... So Where much. do we even start with this? We, we sort of yeah. already did. Yeah, so we, we already already did. Um, off the bat, I read this and it sounded like one of those spam emails you get where someone's like, like a Nigerian prince yeah. kind of. Yeah. Like I'm from a foreign land. Like, I mean, there are just so many strange details in here and so much of it is unnecessary. There's a bunch of weird shit about this letter. Um, Patsy realizes that this is a ransom note. She yells at John to check on the kids. Like, we're back to Patsy now. Um, and Burke is there. Yeah, Burke's in his bed. Yeah, he's they chilling. They leave him sleeping in his bed the whole time. Even though there's possibly calls, a kidnapper. Yeah, what? <laughs> she calls the police at 5.52 a.m., seven yeah. minutes after finding the note. And here's a clip of the 911 call. 
Um, I think you and I have different opinions on this 911 call. Mm-hmm. I, so I think it sounds pretty genuine. I actually think it sounds kind of forced because okay. how she says, oh, my God, like, oh, my God. And like, that's not how I would say, oh, my God, if yeah. I was generally in distress. I would be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. I yeah. wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God. Yeah. OMG. It sounds like a s- excited. Oh, my God. Yeah. To me. Oh, my God. But I don't really know how Patsy would speak yeah. normally and because in her interview she's super drugged up and doesn't say a whole lot. Oh god I can get into that. For yeah. We'll get into that but part to too. To me I even before I read a lot into the case hearing mm-hmm. that 911 call I was like that oh my god is super weird. Well I did read on Bustle who af- they kind of did a roundup after the CBS thing came out was that the 911 operator actually thought that Patsy was like not being genuine. Yeah she they do interview the 911 operator <laughs> in uh the CBS documentary and yeah. she did always think it was suspicious. Okay. Well then there we go. So after Patsy makes that call and just disobeys the hell out of that. Yeah. They note, don't even try. Yeah. They're like, they wait seven minutes. They're like, fuck this. No, they also don't even go to the bank. No. Oh, who goes to the bank for them? I didn't know that. No, part. no one. They never attempt to uh, withdraw any of the money for this supposed ransom. That's horseshit because, duh, you're not even supposed to speak to a stray dog, all that stuff. At least follow the most basic of rules and get the money. Yeah, no. What the hell? (laughs) So Patsy's like, fuck the snow. She calls the police. And this part is really weird to me. So she calls the police and then she like calls up her friends. She's like, party at my place. My daughter's missing. And she calls up the whites who she went over to their house the night before Uh and the Fernies. And they tell them, she tells them to come over. That is the weirdest thing to me because who thinks uh, my daughter is in grave danger yeah. and was kidnapped by dangerous people. Let me bring some more people into my house that has been obviously broken into. Yeah. A, into a crime scene. It's like so fucking weird. There's so many things about that. And also like, I feel like in times of crisis, I'm not going to call like, I don't know, my friends. You know what I mean? Like I'd call like my wow, mom. You just really don't trust your friends I'm like that. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry, Sarah. I wouldn't call you. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. I would probably handle it internally with my yeah, family. If yeah. I truly believe that my daughter was exactly. kidnapped and at the risk of being beheaded. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. It's just a weird thing. Like they specifically said, don't call anyone. And you did call the police, which, okay, get that. I would call the cops too. But yeah, whatever. I would call the cops too. But then you call your friends. It's yeah, like, what the fuck? It's so weird. Yeah. So um, weird. Starts weird, gets weirder. So Fleet White, when he arrives at about 6.30, shortly after that, he takes it upon himself to check the basement because actually his daughter, Daphne, had gone missing a year before John Ramsey's murder. But she was eventually found in their basement. So naturally, he's like... I'm assuming. Alive. Yeah. So he's like, all right, let me check the basement. Yeah. So he goes down to the basement. He calls her name. And he's actually the only one who calls out for JonBenet. Oh. Yeah. He goes down. He walks to the train room, then to the wine cellar, which you have to get through the train room <laughs> to. And the wine cellar, um, the train room has windows. The wine yeah. cellar doesn't have any windows. Yeah. I guess, Hannah, you work in wine. Yeah. You don't want that sunlight, right? You don't. Yeah. You don't have uh, usually windows in a wine cellar. Okay. So it's really dark in there. He steps in, pitch black. He can't find a light switch. He can't see anything. Mm-hmm. So he turns around and goes back up the steps. Damn. Mr. by that much. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. So they all wait for this ransom call between 8 and 10 a.m. per the letter. And obviously this call never comes because, like, this case would be that 
done, basically. Yeah. Um, and first of all, I, I was like kind of pissed about this part because it's like, who does this fucking ransom person think they are? Eight and ten a.m. Like it's like the cable man. It's like, <laughs> I'll be there between eight a.m. and eight p.m. Yeah. Like, what other appointments do you have yeah, this day? I mean, seriously, <laughs> like you have one job and it's the ransom. So yeah, whatever. Um, whatever. Yeah. So after the Ramses get ghosted by the ransom guy, sad times. SMH, it be your own kidnappers. <laughs> uh, the cops leave to go back to the station and make a plan of attack and they leave one detective, Linda Arndt, yeah. with the family and friends. Yeah. Um, and around 1 p.m., Linda Arndt is the only one there and everyone's getting super antsy. So Linda's like trying to give them shit to do to like occupy their time. And she tells John and Fleet White, who, again, friend from the Christmas party, the one who went downstairs, to search the house from top to bottom for anything that's out of place. So John immediately heads to the basement and starts to search there. At 1.04 p.m., John and Fleet head to the wine cellar, and that's, uh, they surprisingly find the light or whatever. Um, well, and, John finds the light. He yeah, knows. It's his he house. Knows. He's, he's like a frequenter in the wine cellar. Um, and John finds his daughter's lifeless body wrapped underneath a white sheet. He screams, oh, my God, my baby. He rips the duct tape that's on her over her mouth. He yeah, rips it off. duct tape over her mouth. Yeah, poor baby. And he picks her up and brings her upstairs where Linda Arndt instructs him to leave her at the top of the steps. Like, <clears throat> okay. Okay. All right. So she <laughs> then picks up the body again. And by the way, John doesn't have gloves on or anything. Like, yeah. They're just like touching this dead girl. This is fucking amateur hour. Yeah, this is bullshit. I mean, this is textbook police work. You know how many episodes of Law and Order Sarah and I have seen? So fucking yeah, many. Yeah, like Ice-T would never do this shit. Come on. No, Step never. it up, Boulder PD. Never. So anyways, Linda moves the body to the living room where, you know, the whole fucking PTA is there <laughs> at this point. Like all of their neighborhood is there. And then she lets Patsy cry and sob on top of John Bonet's body while she holds it on the living room floor. Yeah, Patsy basically just collapses over her daughter's dead body. Yeah, basically. Which I get the impulse, but also like. Yeah. Holy it's also shit. like. Like, what the fuck, Linda? Yeah, Lin- Linda's really to blame in this situation because like, I feel oh like. Oh my God, secure a crime scene, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> That should be like on a shirt or something. Secure a crime scene, bitch. Um, But actually, that's like the real problem. Because I feel like John and Patsy reacted as parents normally would. But Linda, like, not so much. I'm like, girl. Yeah. At what point, like, she should have told them, if you find anything, don't fucking touch it. Like, come get me. I mean, I guess she wasn't expecting them to find anything. Because by all indications, John Bonet was not in the house. Well, I mean, one could argue that the police should have searched it a little bit. Better, yeah, that's so weird. Why with. would you not search the house, especially yeah. when you know these people's friends had their daughter go missing? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you just search to be safe? More thoroughly. Also, why wouldn't the Ramses have searched their own house to be safe? I have questions. They never, like, they go into Burke's room. They supposedly don't wake him up. Yeah. They're, they're never like, hey, Burke, have you seen Jean Bonnet? Have you seen your sister? Is she in here? Apparently, yeah. she used to sleep in his bed sometimes. Oh, shit. Or like in his room. Yeah. yeah. They're never, they don't ask him. I feel like, yeah, I agree with you. That would be a logical thing to like go check every room, yeah. every single room thoroughly. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm just going to take this foreign faction at their word. <laughs> yep. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of issues. I mean, it's. Mad weird. Shortly after 1 p.m., mm-hmm. um, John finds Jean Benet's body. Yeah. Her wrists are tied with, I think, a, like, a sort of nylon rope. She has what they call a garrote, which I've never actually heard before. Yeah, the like, stick thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's 
again, like a nylon rope attached to a piece of wood around her neck. Um, and then later in the autopsy, they discover that she'd suffered a large blow to the head, which wasn't immediately apparent because there was no external bleeding. Um, she also had ligature marks on her neck and wrists, um, a few spots of blood in her underwear. And yeah, it's a variety. It's just honestly a super really, really brutal. Yeah. What happened to her? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, really fucking sad. And I think a lot of people forget how fucking sad this case is because that's one thing I didn't really yeah, think about. I know. People just go into like kind of like true crime porn with this case. Yeah. And it is really interesting and super bizarre. But when I was reading the autopsy or Kohler's recounting of the Ugh. autopsy report, there was a lot of details in there that I wish I did not know. It really? is really graphic and just awful and then you think uh, this is a six-year-old six-year-old girl yeah it's just really really sad it is really sad yeah um and everyone at this point so now the body's been found it's laying on the living room floor everyone's mm-hmm. really distraught and the ramsey house basically just descends into fucking chaos yeah even john describes that whole scene afterwards he oh, finds yeah. the body is just chaos oh i bet yeah so the cops get called back to the house at 105 mm-hmm. so not not too far after um they find that one of the windows in the basement is partially broken john says he broke it over the summer one time when he locked himself out yeah he apparently used to do that a lot he would lock himself out a lot (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) like yeah so rich so smart i know then he'd have to like break into his own house (laughs) yeah so that's he said that he did that he broke it over the summer which like fix fix your window man or like get a hide a key like uh, one of those solution. like rock thingies yeah. yeah everyone had one of those like in the 90s i feel like so um there's also a weirdly placed samsonite suitcase that's found in the train room in the middle of the floor like against the window so it's like leaning yeah. up against the window yeah kind of leaning up against the wall right under the window which they note is a weird place for a suitcase to be which is true yeah yeah and they also find the growth of what you talked yeah. about so it's basically like for me to describe it um because i saw pictures of it Basically, they had taken um, a paintbrush that was lying in a paint tray in the yeah, basement. Yeah, it was Patsy's. Yeah. yeah, it was Patsy's. They broke off the brush, so they took the handle. They tied um, a nylon string around the middle of it, so it's perpendicular, like a T-shape. Okay. And then they had used that to strangle Jean Benet, and I guess Ugh. the point of using that... To make it tighter? Yeah, you yeah. can kind of pull tighter on the wood because it's almost like a handle. Yeah. Oh, God. And mm-hmm. so does it also, like, cut your hands, too? Because when you're pulling that tight on string or nylon, it, like, cut into your hands. Yeah, that's my concern when I'm committing a murder. <laughs> I'm just, like, like thinking... It's going to be uncomfortable for me. Look, man, <laughs> I don't know. These people are fucking crazy. But yeah. either way, it's really sad. I read that it was... I'm, I think it was on CBS document, too. It was so tight around her neck that John didn't even notice it at first. Oh, my God. Like, it dug in her skin. It, like, dug into her skin. That's what I read on Bustle. So, very sad. Um, So, they find the body. And pretty much from that point, that's where this mystery and the crime of the century really just begins. Yeah. But before we get into that shit show, (laughs) let's just provide a little background on Jean Benet, who is the victim throughout this entire ensuing media circus. Yes. And everyone, like we said, kind of forgets that. So Jean Benet was born on August 6, 1990 in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, So her name is a combination of her dad's first and middle name. Which is like, wow. I feel like if she had lived to be older, she would have some serious baggage (laughs) about the fact that her parents obviously wanted her to be a boy. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Well, there's also John Andrew. 
who's her his oldest son like come on can you can we just like get a little bit creative on here i do think no let's take the two most masculine names and just feminize it with a vaguely french accent (laughs) and a useless accent agu like what the fuck i don't understand i don't are they french like do you know you took are you a major in french yeah i did i mean no they just took two names and put an accent (laughs) on it like beyonce's name her family's not french that's true oh beyonce's french name no it's not it has an accent on it though that's what i'm saying um, but it's like you can take anything, put an accent on it. Like Raven Simone has an accent uh, on the. Yeah, e. It's she like does. you don't need to be French for that. Damn, you just need to be weird. You should start a French podcast because I don't know anything. <laughs> about that. Um, so she was basically like the all-American girl. She uh, had blonde hair, blue eyes. She's this beauty queen. She's yeah. Speaking of the beauty queen, I mean, this played a large role in the media circus, but. I don't really feel like going into it that much because yeah. to me, it's not really a big deal. I It was obviously a big deal at the 90s because we didn't have toddlers yeah. and tiaras back then. Ugh, I hate that show. Yeah. But to me, I'm like, whatever. She yeah. was in pageants. You know, what else is new? Yeah. Um, but she was in a lot of them. So many. She was Little Miss Colorado. Are these all the ones that she won? I think so. Oh yeah. She had right. winning titles. She's a fucking boss. Little Miss Colorado. Little Miss Charlevoix. <laughs> Colorado State All-Star Kids cover girl. Wow, that's a mouthful. Couple other shit. <laughs> um, yeah, she was basically Patsy's pride and joy. And I feel like Patsy was sort of living vicariously through Jean Benet a little bit through these pageants. I kind of agree. Because I mean, there are kind of mixed reports on whether Jean Benet even liked yeah. doing it. Yeah. I mean, obviously her mom said that she loved it, but one of uh, the Ramsey's former friends in the CBS documentary said that she'd expressed to her that she like didn't really like to do it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. John Ramsey kind of makes a comment like that in his book, basically saying that they kind of did it for fun. But I don't know if Patsy is the kind of person who does pageants for fun. Like, if you're winning all these pageants, I don't think that, that you're that doing that it fun. for fun. Yeah, no. Because you have to spend money on coaches, on all these outfits, yeah. learning whatever routine or talent or thing that you're showing off. Yeah. I don't think that you're going to come in casually and win. And I don't think six-year-olds are like, you know what's fun? Like, getting primped yeah. for so long and, like, not being able to do anything really except yeah. be beautiful. Skeptical. Yeah, very weird. She Patsy was definitely your typical stage mom. She spent a shit ton of time and money on JonBenet's wardrobe, hair, makeup. I get very, like, Amy Poehler vibes and Mean Girls <laughs> yeah. where she's, like, in the crowd. Yeah, like, Doing dancing. the dance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's pretty funny. much it. Yeah. So here's the thing. So JonBenet is a winner at age six, and she's being groomed for the rest of her career, I mean, pretty much. like So this is just beginning. Days before she was murdered, she was named Little Miss Christmas, and she was featured in several magazines and newspapers around the area, the Boulder area. Yeah, so safe to say she was pretty well-known. Yeah, media gold, if you would say. Yeah, she was a, she was a cutie. Uh, big hair, tons of makeup, baby tooth smile. And so she was found murdered in her parents' basement. Um, and everyone is now freaking the fuck out. The cops have finally secured the entire house. Great idea. Yeah. What, like eight hours later? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they're now trying to figure out what happened. Investigators say that John Bonet was hit over the head and strangled. When the autopsy comes in, her death, her cause of death is asphyxia by strangulation associated with a craniocerebral trauma. So basically, 
her brain is swelling from the hit with the blunt object, mm-hmm. but the strangling is actually what ended up killing her. Yeah, to be fair, though, I the blow to the head would have killed her eventually. Yeah. It's believed that she was knocked unconscious, <sighs> and she never recovered, and her brain was filling with blood. <sighs> so if she had not received medical attention, that blow to the head would have killed her. So you think that maybe if she had received it, she'd probably have lived? Or is, do they talk about that? Or is it that bad? Of a hit. She was knocked unconscious, they believe. Oh. So if she had been rushed to the hospital, they mm. might have been able to stop to the swelling. Yeah. Mm. But she wasn't and then was strangled. But I, I, I don't know. I just kind of brought that up just to say that yeah. a head injury probably would have killed her. Yeah, by eventually. Itself. Yeah, definitely. So this was overkill. For sure. I hope that was not a bad pun. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's like an actual like term that they use. They oh. use it in Criminal yeah. Minds when someone like stab someone like 50 zillion times okay there we go i'll go with that okay um also i just want to kind of say we are trying to go over the facts of the case but these are so sketchy because (laughs) depending on what you believe you can interpret the facts in any way you want yeah so i mean the autopsy does say that she was hit on the head and strangled but we don't know really for sure which happened first and you can kind of choose whichever whatever you want to believe to back up what you believe happened i think this case is such a classic case of uh confirmation bias yeah like you can really interpret any piece of evidence any way that you want to fit what you think happened and a lot of that does happen yes this case researching this case sarah and i talked about it it was really hard for us so just a heads up we're trying to get these facts as good as we can because there is a lot of bias surrounding this yeah also this is really graphic yeah Um, stay tuned so they do find a little bit of blood in her underwear. It's not a lot. It's a couple of spots. Okay. Um, the autopsy concluded that there was no evidence of rape, but they couldn't rule out that she had been sexually assaulted at some point, and they believe that she was assaulted with the paintbrush handle that was used in the garage. Ugh. Owie. And um, Dr. Werner Spitz, who was a leading expert, and he was on the panel of the CBS documentary, believes she was still alive when this alleged assault happened, and he thinks it happened very close to the time of her death. That's fucking horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's really bad. Um, There's no semen found at the scene, even though there was evidence that there had been a vaginal injury. Um, Also, the American Crime Museum said that at the time of the autopsy, it appeared her vaginal area had been wiped clean. Which is weird as fuck, but also this crime scene is... Everything about it is is a mess. So very not normal. Um, It's just yeah. So then another thing that the autopsy revealed was that she had pineapple that was undigested in her stomach, which like doesn't seem too alarming to normal people. But police are kind of like the fuck, the fuck is this? Like why is there pineapple in there? Yeah, no one claims to remember Jean Benet eating pineapple. The whites didn't serve it at their party. And it's undigested, which means she had to have eaten it close to the time of her death. Yeah, and that's not like a Christmas night food, I don't think. I don't think so either, but then again, the Ramses do say that she liked it, so... Yeah, so it's like, okay, but it's it's just a weird situation because there's a bowl when the the police get to the crime scene, which, Mm -hmm. of course, they didn't treat as a crime scene early on. Um, There's a bowl of chopped up pineapple on the kitchen table with a spoon. So we can pretty much assume that's what John Bunny was eating out of. But when the bowl is later set for fingerprints, only Patsy's and Burke's fingerprints are found on the bowl. Yeah, and Patsy denies feeding her pineapple that yeah. night. And it's like, 
Well, who did? Yeah, because Burke's nine. Did he like get up, chop up the and pineapple? And why are your fingerprints on the bowl? Yeah, then? some. It's just weird. Like, who yeah. dares feed this child fruit? Investigators concluded that her time of death was sometime between 10 p.m. on Christmas Day and 6 a.m. on December 26th. The police continue to search for DNA or evidence. They find a flashlight on the countertop in the kitchen. Yeah, that a lot of people think was the blunt object that Jean Benet was hit with. The Ramseys said that the flashlight wasn't theirs, though. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, a lot of stuff around the flashlight, I feel like. Yep. Yeah. The flashlight is its own. <laughs> the flash, it's, it's yeah. own mystery. It's its own episode. It really is. Um, they tested John But that, that doesn't even make any sense, though, because if you do believe that there yeah. was an intruder, mm-hmm. they leave the ransom note. There were some materials that they took with them. I think, I don't think they found the duct tape, for instance. No. So why would they leave a flashlight? Like, the thing that actually, like, could have killed her. Yeah, like, it doesn't make sense. Nothing about this case makes sense. At this yeah, point in my life, like, my life doesn't make sense, and it's partly due to this case. Um, mm-hmm. So they tested for JonBenet Ramsey's DNA, and they don't find anything. Um, but the investigators conclude that the flashlight could have still been used to hit her over the head, but maybe it didn't split the skin. Therefore, there's no, like, internal DNA, like, yeah. blood or anything. I think they also don't find any fingerprints on it, which is weird because no, you'd expect to find some at least Something. on the button. Yeah, you would where think. You, and also, unless it had been wiped clean. Or if you hit her on the head, like, maybe some hair, things like that, too. Like, there's kind of yeah. something like But they don't even find fingerprints. Yeah, there's it's just clean completely. So... Um, they're also still looking for signs of an intruder because the Ramseys are like, we didn't fucking do this. We have nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. So they're looking into that still. Well, the police are looking for signs of an intruder and they seem to zero in on this broken window. That, I mean, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that they find in the basement. Yeah, that they, makes sense. they think that someone maybe there's a grate to that window outside. So they think okay. someone like lifted the grate, Snuck opened in. the window slid through the window and then later used that Samsonite luggage to like hoist themselves out. Exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Okay. So they, they see that they're still searching. There is a possibility, even though John thinks that all the doors and everything were locked later. He, he thinks that, but you wouldn't check your basement. (laughs) Yeah. And there was that open window that theoretically someone could get in that way. And that he admitted to breaking like, so yeah. Okay. So there's a few other things to know about the Ramsey house. I mean, obviously it's huge and it's covered in really, really thick carpet. So someone could have broken in, hopped up, you know, from the basement to the second floor and it would have been easy to sneak around in because that carpet would have made it easier. That said, though, the Ramsey house is like a maze. I think it would take someone who was pretty intimately familiar with the layout to get around and avoid detection. Yeah, even the basement was a fucking maze. (laughs) Like, even What's-His-Face came in and couldn't find the goddamn light. So Yeah, you're right. Their friend couldn't even find the light in the the wine cellar. cellar. So we really think this random foreign faction is coming in and knows knows where everything is. Yeah, so weird. So the police discovered another weird thing is that they discovered the ransom note on a pad of paper with a pen that was already in the house. Yeah, it was Patsy Sharpie, Patsy's pad of paper. Damn. I mean... Uh, I mean, John worked for a computer company, so obviously people had access to computers <laughs> in late 1996. Yeah. Who the hell is handwriting a Why ransom note? Why you bring note? a pre-typed one? Yeah. Like... I mean, I guess... And, and, and I you're know. not going to bring your own ransom note materials to the kidnapping? That seems like a major oversight. I mean, yeah. But there's only so much you can do, like, and bring on the way to commit a felony, you know? I suppose. You have, like, I a, mean, a backpack. But then you have to through? think the, the nylon rope was yeah. found in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the paintbrush was found in the How house. How planned is this? The, yeah, the pad yeah. was found in the house. So you really think these kidnappers came in and they're like, all right, we have this plan. We're going to kidnap this girl, yeah. hold her for ransom, but we're going to do it with stuff we find in the house. Like they're just <laughs> MacGyvering this kidnapping. Pretty much. When you think yeah. about it that way, it doesn't even make any sense. That's a good way to put it, actually. None of this makes sense at yeah. all. Um, Another fun note about the the pad mm-hmm. is that they find in later pages of the same pad what appears to be the beginning of a practice note. <laughs> yeah, because it says Mr. and Mrs. I, which experts believe was not actually an I, but the downstroke of a capital of an R, R. Like when you yeah. start writing a capital R. Yeah. So, yeah. What? <laughs> they leave the note on the stairs. Which I kind of still, I personally think that's weird because it was the back stairs too, which the is back even spiral staircase. It yeah. wasn't their main staircase. Yeah, I agree with you. So I think that's weird. Like, why not leave it on the kitchen table where someone's guaranteed to find it? Mm-hmm. Um, or and, yeah, somewhere even more out in the open on her bed. Yeah, anywhere or just somewhere that like they knew a parent would find it. Like, what if it had been like Burke coming down and he just like completely walked by it and he would never think to tell anyone? Mm-hmm. Like. It's just weird. Yeah, the letter was also super sketch in itself. I mean, there were so many things that jumped out to me and investigators. Which is one and the same, really. Oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> official investigator yeah. for the BPD. Thank you. Yeah, you're pro- honestly probably better <laughs> So at this point in time than yeah. Linda. I mean, we talked about the wording and just how the choices in diction are super weird. Mm-hmm. There's also a couple random words that are misspelled. Yeah. They, they misspelled business, I'm pretty sure, in the yeah. first line. And experts think that was an attempt to like, make them sound foreign. Oh. But then they correctly spell a lot of more complicated words, words later yeah. in the letter. That's interesting. Yeah. And also the ransom, mm-hmm. 118000 in cash. Weird. Very specific, inconvenient for the bank teller. <laughs> so rude. Like, what if you didn't have $18,000 in 20s? Yeah. I don't know. How, uh, that's not really important. It, but, but what is important is that this $118,000 is the exact dollar amount John had just received as a bonus that year. Yeah. And it was commonly known because of that um, thing Entrepreneur from the, of the year. Yeah, the yeah. Boulder Chamber of Commerce. It was commonly known that... John's company was worth a billion dollars. So why wouldn't you like hit him up for more? More, Yeah. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very weird number. Um, and that's just one of the many things. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me is like the brutality of it all. Yeah. Um, they talk about chopping her fucking head off, which is crazy. That's like what they do to like in like Al Qaeda. <laughs> like, I think ransom notes usually specify the method of execution that they're going to use. This is the longest ransom note in recorded American history. Yeah, I think it's 300-something words. Yes, and it's 2.5 pages, and it's fucking insane. And most of it's extraneous. You could just accomplish yep. it in three lines. We yep. have your daughter. We want the money. We're going to call Bring you between oh, 8 yeah. and 10 a.m. for instructions. That's it. There's no parts about resting. We could yeah. just keep that down. So um, they also they just like keep mentioning how they just hate John Ramsey, and how he better not mess with them or and like they'll keep John Benet's body, which is really fucked up. I mean, obviously all this is fucked up. But they literally said if John talks to a stray dog, then they're gonna chop off his daughter's head. Like what the fuck is this? You're dragging animals but into this? The like the my English teacher is gonna be so proud of me. Shouts out Mr. Weinstein. <laughs> like all that parallel structure, like if we talk if we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you do anything like this, yeah. she dies. Like that repetition of the she dies mm-hmm. is also really weird. It is super weird. And here's the thing that you were talking about earlier yes. that I'm happy we're getting to. It's weird because it's oddly similar to some movies. And the pat 
the Patsies. The Ramses the were movie fans. Yes, they were movie fans. Um, so the line, if we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. Though we are both saying it is kind of a good line, the way it's used in the repetition. <laughs> um, it sounds like if you talk to anyone, even if it's a Pekingese on a lamppost, the girl dies. And that's from the movie Dirty Harry, which came out in the 70s. Um, don't try to grow a brain, John, resembles the line. Don't attempt to grow a brain from the movie Speed, which came out in 1994. And it's basically a ripoff of pretty much every Ransom movie ever. Yeah, I mean, this whole letter is weird. Like, as so I mentioned weird. before, it sounds like it was written by someone who's kind of rich and educated. But also, like, can't spell. And yeah, it's, it's a mess. It's super weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the words in there are just like not run of the mill vocab. It's just strange. So yeah, it's pretty eloquent. Yeah. It actually used a lot of big words. It, they like, do, let me see if I can recall one of them. <laughs> recall it back to like eight pages ago. Cause yeah. the letter is itself like eight pages. They also, okay. Yeah, okay. Well we talked about the attache, but like annoying. Oh my God. It's just so some so weird, weird things. Countermeasures. Yeah. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. I also think that, um, like the 99% chance of killing your daughter and a hundred percent chance of getting her back. Like just that seems unnecessary. Yeah. It's just weird. Like, it's just like, if you do what you, we say, you'll get your kid back. Like, yeah. I feel like most numbers? people, even if you have never had a loved one held for ransom, they kind of <laughs> get the implicit gist, yeah. which is follow our instructions. <laughs> yeah. So your loved one doesn't die. Yeah. There's so many like, qualifiers and weird shit in here there's just that yeah. just it's over explaining it, to me it's like when someone is lying and you know they're lying because they're they giving you too, too much, much information yes there's also a few things mentioned in the letter that are just like blatantly untrue which is kind of like the lying thing that you just said so yeah. that's, that works i guess the untrue things could point to an intruder because for yeah. number one they mentioned john having good southern common sense <laughs> But anyone who knew John would know that he's from Michigan and he only moved to Atlanta later in life. So yeah. I guess that could point to the intruder theory. Yeah, I mean, it could, but it's also... if someone close to John wrote the note, you'd think that, you know, they would know that. Yeah, true. Um, but also, I thought the saying was like, Southern hospitality. It, yeah, it, it, it totally is. I don't know why. Yeah, I, mean, I know. It's like... Um, Say please and thank you when you deliver our note. Like, that's yeah. hospitality. It's not. Yeah, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered the weirdness of the note. Yeah. Um, we did spend a lot of time on it this episode, but that's because it is really important in part two when we discuss who we think wrote it. Yeah, I almost just said, I almost was just like, we've really beat this note to death, but <laughs> I do this no, all no, the time. time. It's okay. I was talking to Mike, um, our podcast producer, about this case and oh, I was no. like yeah Hannah and I are just going to record JonBenet Ramsey and really knock this out and I was like oh, <laughs> oh you posted like a meme on the Instagram it was a Princess Diana and I was like I'm dead and, like, <laughs> and you texted me and you were like what oh, yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah so basically what we're saying is we'll come back to this note later but just to leave you with it the ransom ends with the words victory SBTC which there are thousands of theories on it's no one so knows. weird to end a ransom note in victory yeah. because then right before that they're basically like 
hey, you know, we've threatened this heinous act against your beloved daughter. Yeah. But if you listen to us, it's chill. You have 100% of getting her back. And then they're like, be smart, John. Victory. Who are they wishing victory on? It's kind of weird. To me, I almost read it like victory to you if you do this stuff. Or like victory to them because yeah, they're going to get because, the money yeah. <laughs> or the dead girl. And I don't know what SBTC means. No one no does. No one does. It's, Reddit is a dark um, place trying to figure that out. One theory actually about SBTC, there was this couple that used to dress up at the Ramsey Christmas parties as like mm. Santa. There was this oh, guy. Yeah, yeah. It was like Santa, fuck, was his name Bill or Bob? I don't know. It was something like yeah. Santa Bill and then oh, his wife's name started with a T. Something oh, Claus. Shit. Uh, and that was I like wish I remembered, but that, that was, was like someone theory. who got like accused too. They like turned on their friends, but that was the only uh, interpretation of SBTC that made sense to you. That made sense. Ironically, it did come from John Ramsey, but I was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess Consider that makes the source. sense. Yeah. Interesting. It's just it, there's why so many would, why, why would you choose that acronym? That's so weird. Like Santa Bill and whatever Teresa Claus. That's not their names. I fucked it up. But yeah, no. But I, <laughs> so I, I, mean, I read one that was like victory is like what people say at the end of a sailing race. And like John liked to sail. All of it. Really? Is just, yeah. It's just. But it was so obscure. Like it, it. The whole thing is just too obscure for me to take seriously or like yeah. give it any value to. So um, no one's figured it out. If you think you can figure it out. Shoot us a DM. I know. It's truly like Da Vinci Code level shit. Yeah. Maybe we should put that as like a question on Instagram. Like what do people Mm, think it means? We'll do that. Okay. Now we know. So everyone answer our question. All right. But that's pretty much all you need to know about the actual crime itself. Yes. Um, So let's just fucking end it here. (laughs) Um, Let's get this show on the road. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, This case is a fucking monster. Like uh, that's what Sarah and I call it in text. And part two is going to be very lit. Lit, indeed. So, 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 so lit. So, stay tuned for next episode when we go into the media circus, which is an integral part of this case. Yeah. And then we'll go into theories, including our hot takes. Our hot takes. And before you do that, please give us a follow on social, uh, NATC pod. Give us five stars on whatever you're listening to us on. All that good stuff that we say at the end of every episode. Yep. Follow us on Instagram, NATC pod, Twitter, same thing, Facebook, NATC podcast. Email us. If you want to hit us with an email, it's NATC at betches.com. With an E, not bitches. Yeah, we we keep it mostly consistent with our emails. Um, We do. And stay tuned. Go listen to part two. Yep. Listen to it in order, for sure. Yeah. People, don't do that. (laughs) You're fucking psychos. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Not Another True Crime Podcast. And remember, if you like weird shit, you know where to find us. Batches.